All right, welcome in RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition Week 13. Look at us. We've made it all the way to the end of the regular season, at least. We'll stick around with you during a bowl season, I suppose. But, uh, but yeah, this is the last regular season week. It's been a fun ride. Uh, we've enjoyed ourselves. Are we, I, Mackenzie, are we still in the, in, the, uh, in the black? Are we still making money for the people? Yes, sir. You're doing fine. Both beating expectations. Okay, that's all that matters. As long as you guys are making some bucks and, you know, we're, we're, we're uh, giving you guys some information, that's that's all that we're, we can really ask for, I would say. Um, let's start with – so, for the, obviously, this episode is coming out a little bit early, coming out a day early, because we uh, – it's it's Thanksgiving week. Things are, are di- different schedule-wise. So we just figured, hey, before everybody's spending time with their families and stuff, at least get some stuff out to you guys. The game, there's games all week during the like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, college football games. So uh, there's something for everyone. First, let's take a look at the 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 playoff standings, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on how many teams do you think we have left that have a legit chance to make the college football playoff? Because obviously Oregon, we can forget them. Michigan State, we can forget them. Wake Forest, we can forget them, even though they were probably already basically forgotten anyway. What are we down to now? I've got it at seven, and I'll I'll go through them. This is like bad radio. Um, Georgia, obviously. Alabama, and I think that's obviously with a win over Georgia or potentially even with a a second loss. I think there's still a way that they get in. Oregon, we talked about, they're out. Ohio State, I think Cincinnati with the carnage that's going on around them. The the more the season plays out, I I do think there's still a chance. Then I've got Michigan, assuming they pull off a massive upset. But again, these are every one of these that I'm going through, there's some sort of path. I'm not saying that it's likely by any means, but Michigan, and then the last two are Bedlam, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Uh, I think what is unfortunate for those teams is it's likely that they're going to, you know, they'll play each other in the regular season. It's likely they play each other again. And if the Big 12 does what I think they're going to do, those teams will flip-flop. Oklahoma State wins the first one and OU wins the next one or vice versa. Um, but that's, that's you know, what I have at, have it at right now um, is at seven teams – with any sort of possibility of still getting in. I'll add one more to that. I think Notre Dame still has a good chance to get in. You do? Yeah. A Cincinnati loss vaults Notre Dame. The the committee wants Notre Dame in. The only problem is they can't put them in ahead of Cincinnati. If Cincinnati Cincinnati loses, Notre Dame's resume is better than either of those Big 12 teams. Yeah, the only reason I worry for Notre Dame is the lack of of a conference championship. I could see the the committee favoring a two-loss Bama if you were looking at Georgia, Ohio State, a one-loss Big 12 champion, and then Cincinnati loses, and you're sitting there with undefeated Notre Dame, whose best win is someone, I don't know who, or two-loss Bama, who played in a conference championship. And that will depend also on how they look against Georgia. But, um, yeah, you could add Notre Dame as the eighth, but – once you get beyond Oklahoma, I'm throwing in purely because they'll have to play Oklahoma State twice. But man, sitting at 13, they're I mean they're a long way back. So 
Um, we'll see as it plays out. I think, I, you know, we touched on it last week. I still think I like Georgia, Alabama, Cincinnati, or excuse me, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and then that last one. Are, are they going to let Cincinnati in? I know we'll touch on it a little later, but the win over SMU did help them. But I still I, – I'll believe it when I see it for the committee to put them in. Yeah, Notre Dame's best wins Wisconsin, which has probably aged better than yeah, what, what we thought at the time. We, at the time, we thought, well, Wisconsin just stinks. Uh, and really, you know what? Another decent win on their schedule that's aged better as the season's gone on is Purdue. Like Purdue's knocked off every uh, you know highly ranked team that they've played, except for Notre Dame. Notre Dame somehow managed to uh, to get it done there. So uh, I, I won't count them as dead yet. But I love that it keeps narrowing down and. I'll, you know what I, you know you uh you you texted me about this. I was wrong about Oregon. Uh, Oregon stinks. What a uh, that was so what so, a dog so shit bad. showing and like that was so bad. What a what a quitter performance. Like I mean, like you punt the ball away with like how many seconds left in the first half to like the best punt returner in the country. You that you got what you deserved there, Oregon. That's what you get. So. Uh, Oregon's done for the pac 12 is dead in the water. So that's, that's what I get for even thinking, you know what, maybe Oregon's a little underrated here. Uh, that, that was foolish of me. I, I stand corrected. All right. I've got a, uh, we're not going to bore you with too much, uh, macro college football talk, but I have to tell this story because it, this last week, I guess it was Friday night. Uh, I got a text from a friend of mine who is a a famous professional wrestler. His name is Booker T. And he said, yo, we're in Vegas. Come out to the show tonight. There, so he Booker T works for WWE still, but also has his own wrestling company um, called Reality of Wrestling. And I said, you know what? Why the hell not? I'll take the boys out. We'll have some fun. Um, so we go down to the MGM and Booker T's got his wrestling show there. And we've got, I mean, front row, it's just awesome setup. And the, it's me and my two boys and we get to the championship match. The final match is a three-way match. And the last man to the ring is a man that Taylor McCarg knows a friend of his, you would even say, <laughs> or do you, have you, have you spoken to him? Like when's the last time you talked to this guy? We touch base sporadically. Now his life, as you can imagine, is a little more hectic than mine, but I do keep in touch with him. Okay. So will all day, which is a, I mean, this, this is his, uh, his wrestling name is too. Will all day. He was also a wide receiver at rice. When Taylor was there, so these guys are forever connected. Did like did he ever actually play? How much how much time did he actually get on the field? Not a ton. And Will, if you somehow hear this, I think you're great. Uh, did not play a ton at Rice, and kind of out of nowhere, starts seeing the uh, on social media that this is the new gig, and and I don't know a thing about wrestling in any form. Uh, but he's doing it all over the country now. Seems to be going well, and um, he's in much better shape than I am right now. I'll give him that. Well, he was the, he's the, he was the defending champion in this the main event in a three way match. So he came out with the belt. I sent you the video of him coming out. Yep. And 
Uh, he was fighting against a a handsome guy with like frosted tips and a uh, a Puerto Rican dude who was wearing like overalls like he was Super Mario. <laughs> and um, the the battle goes on and the way that the rules were of this match was if somebody got pinned, who like whoever got the guy pinned was the winner. So if, if Will wasn't even involved in the pinfall, he would lose his championship belt. So this was obviously a, a, a dramatic situation. And Will, early in the match, did not do well. Um, he was getting beat up, particularly by – at first he, he and the handsome guy seemed like they were buddies, but then the Puerto Rican guy just kind of started taking over. And he threw Will out of the ring into the, uh, the cage – like the the uh, railing that was right in front of us. <laughs> and Will was laying there for a long time, and the match was still going on. And I said, Will, you got to get up. I said, what would, what would Coach Bailiff tell you right now? I said, he would tell you to get your ass back up and get in the game. Man up and get in the game. And he said, you know what? You're right. And he got up, and he got back in the ring, and he won the belt. He retained his championship. He retained his championship. Amazing. And I'm telling you now, my nine-year-old is fully convinced that he is the champion because of me. Because I was like, he said, Dad, you, you motivated him so much. You could see. And I think, I think, honestly, it was just he was surprised that anyone knew who he was. And I, I think like that was the look in his eye that my kids saw. Did you but, talk to him afterwards? No, I didn't get a chance to. I Man, didn't get a chance that's to. That's a great story. I, I love that. Uh, I love that he doesn't have like a wrestle wrestler name. Like he no, like he chants all out day. all day, all day, all I day. Think it is a good last name for being a wrestler. For, oh, for a pro wrestler, sure. But yeah, I wanted to get a chance to talk to him. I didn't have time to. But uh, but he, I wanted you to know that your former wide receiver is the champion of reality of wrestling just so you know like is, I, if you start to think man i've really accomplished a lot in my life maybe you should nope. reconsider yeah and that's why people go to rice is to join the, <laughs> the wrestling circuits everybody knows that yeah like so now we can say like you can on you can look at it and say well yeah taylor sure thought he was hot shit you know being the quarterback and all did you make Turns it to the out. nfl did you make nope. it to the NFL? No, nope. didn't think so. Did I make it? To, uh, am I a professional wrestler? Not that either. Yeah, and here he is, not just a professional wrestler, but the champion of the world. So, I, I you know, if you get a chance, send him a text, congratulate him on winning his uh, triple threat match in Vegas. He may love to hear from you. Uh, absolutely. That's uh, a great story. <laughs> all right, let's get into the football. Uh, Ohio State, the Ohio State University Holy shit. I I had a feeling it was going to be ugly for Sparty. Oh, boy. I, I don't think even I had in, in mind how ugly it was going to get. I had a bet on Ohio State first half, which that ended up cashing pretty easily. They were minus 11 in the first half. Easy, easy work. But I had over 34 in the first half. Michigan State didn't score at all, and that ticket still cashed easily. So this is this tells you exactly how dominant Ohio State was. Now that matchup, Michigan State, bad, bad, bad secondary. It was a bad matchup. Michigan, they their strength is in the secondary. They should. I mean, listen, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. They're not going to get smashed 
like Michigan State did. Michigan State's been one of the phoniest teams all year long. I said before this last week's games, I was hoping for a seven or higher, and I was going to be on Michigan. And here I am, and this my balls shrivel up as I watch Ohio State just dog stomp Michigan State. And the, I, I wake up, and there's an eight. And I say, eh, maybe not. Maybe I'll just watch that game. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this Ohio State-Michigan game? Because I, I think that this is going to obviously going to be much better and I've got some questions that I'll, I'll after I hear what you've got to say. I've got some questions on on what you think motivation is like for these two teams. Yeah, I mean the first thing is every now and then, and it's usually once or twice a year you get a score that kind of blows you away. And and this is it for me for the season. It's the first one I can really think of that I sat there multiple times going back and and looking is Michigan State ever going to get into this? And I think it was what was it forty two or forty nine at half. 42 nothing at half. I mean, Michigan State just a couple weeks prior beats Michigan. We're talking about them as a Final Four team. I know they should have never really been in that position, really based on their their secondary and their on the defensive side of the ball in the passing game. But is this a fifty six to seven loss type of team? No, I, I don't think so. I think it really has more to do with Ohio State hitting their stride. I think C.J. Stroud locked up the Heisman more than likely in that game, and especially if they go out and win against Michigan next week, it's probably his award. Um, it's so funny that like the odds changed dramatically. Flipped immediately. And when you really think about it, Bryce Young, he played really well. Like It, this was not, it wasn't like C.J. Stroud went out and you know blew up the world and Bryce Young just did nothing. Bryce Young had one of his better games of the season. That's how great C.J. Stroud was in limited time. He didn't even play much in the second half. But Bryce Young, who is still, you know, 3,500-something yards and, like, almost 40 touchdowns and I think two or three picks, but he, he plays Arkansas and throws for 560 and five touchdowns. And we're like, oh, yeah, he's the, the Heisman's locked up for Stroud today. What? I mean, it, he wasn't the only one who had a good day. The favorite had a pretty good day too. Yeah. The only thing you said it a little bit, that the only piece to this that uh, gives me any sort of hope for Michigan in this game, I, I don't think they win this game. I think you're going to get more of the same from Ohio state and go back the last two weeks between Purdue uh, and the win over Michigan state rolling on offense. I mean, clicking on all cylinders. And, and this was the Ohio state offense we were expecting to see in the early part of the year, but Michigan has a much better pass rush and and uh, you know, they're not a dominant back end but they're a lot better than Michigan State is but Aiden Hutchinson it's gonna be a top 10 pick maybe a top five pick edge rusher um, for Michigan they're gonna be able to get uh, some sort of pass rush and that's what if you have any chance against this unit and what you'll I would expect later on in the year is the reason Georgia would ultimately beat this team you got to get you got to win the one-on-ones up front and not have to bring in a fifth and sixth defender to get after the quarterback and i think michigan can do that better certainly better than michigan state can um i worry about if 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 ohio state does open up any sort of lead early in this game if michigan is in any sort of if they've got to come back for any you know extended portion of this game it does not bode well for them i would expect michigan early and often Try and establish the run game. Try and convert in the red zone. Don't be surprised if you see a lot of four-down territories as soon as they get on the other side of the 50 and try and play keep away. Um, but, man, I, 
it's, it's the best offense in the country, and you saw all the reasons why last week. I think the number is about right, honestly, um, and, and I like Ohio State in this game. For the same reasons I wouldn't – you know, I, I worried about Michigan State in a backdoor cover last week. Well, that didn't happen, but that's what I would worry about in this one is Ohio State jumping out to an early lead, Michigan clawing back in. And, um, but, man, may, the, the most wow performance of the whole season for me was Ohio State last weekend. Yeah, Michigan is a, a top five team, PFF-wise, a top five team in pass rush. They're, they're a top five team in coverage. Like This is the real deal on defense. But they've played a Big Ten schedule. They've not seen an offense anything like this. This is a – but you can you can even look back and say, oh, Taylor Martinez – or Adrian Martinez had some success on this team. That's scary because C.J. Stroud is is so far and away of any any passing offense that the Big Ten has. He's so much better than whatever they've got. So we haven't really – and even Michigan's non-conference test was Washington. So they, they've just avoided seeing a good offense, a great offense all year, I should say. So I'm curious to see how they respond to that. Here's my question about motivation. I wonder if the Rose Bowl being a consolation prize is a bad thing for Michigan because Michigan hasn't been to the Rose Bowl since 2007. And even if they lose this game, they're going to the Rose Bowl. Like that's that's where you know a two loss Michigan team they're going to go to the Rose Bowl, so it's a huge deal to them. No one's going to be upset. Oh, Michigan went to the Rose. Like this is going to be looked at as a successful season. Whereas Ohio State, if they lose and they're in the Rose Bowl, this season went went awry. This is not the way they wanted it to end. So I wonder if that is like if there's a way that you can look at it that it's almost like Michigan State's already or Michigan's already kind of done the the heavy lifting like they're they're the work there is done they've had a good season yeah maybe I think if there's anything here that uh, could potentially go against Ohio State I think it does help Michigan slightly that they're getting to play this at home God forbid they had to go on the road to play this game um, some of the performances that Ohio State has looked a little bit underwhelming were on the road this season I, I think back to Nebraska uh, not that long ago but again I mean the last two weeks talk about trends and directions the last two weeks for Ohio State had been truly dominant um, and Michigan struggled at Penn State the win last weekend over Maryland was was convincing but Maryland's gone in the, the, the opposite direction you can just say Maryland Maryland sucks <laughs> yeah Maryland's not very good um, but again I I was, you know, I start talking about Michigan's getting to play this at home. How much impact does that really have against this offense? Are, are they going to be able to um, get any disruption via the crowd? Probably not. I mean, it's not like Ohio State's not used to playing in front of big crowds and having to utilize a silent count plenty. So um, I like Ohio State in this game to win. I like them to win close to the number that it's at right now. And I would be really shocked if Michigan were somehow able to win this game. I'd love for this to be a game. I, I really would. Historically, though, I, I, I say historically. I guess it, it's all a matter of how far you go back. It's been a long time since Michigan could play with Ohio State. Yeah. Like this is not. This is a about as one sided of a rivalry as you're going to find. This is a. This is a, a big brother, little brother. This is an ass whooping year in and year out uh, for programs that sh- should be relatively close. They're just not. So 
uh, I, I'm with you. I tend to I, I tend to think that Ohio State takes care of business here. Like I said, I wanted Michigan, Michigan plus eight. If you told me that a week ago, I would have bet Michigan plus eight then probably. And since then, I just saw just such a dominant performance that I I, I can't I can't bet against that team right now. So it's going to be a watch for me. All right, let's look at Thanksgiving Day, the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss plus one and a half at Mississippi State right now. What do you see here? Yeah, this one to me is that number uh, with Ole Miss being an underdog is interesting because two weeks ago, I think Ole Miss has their best performance of the season, beating a pretty good A&M team. I know it's not a very good offensive side of the ball for them, but I thought it was Ole Miss's best performance of the season, their best team football the, the last week against Vanderbilt, you know, the box score doesn't look impressive, but I don't think they sh- were trying to show anything. I think it was just base offense, base defense on both sides. The question that I have for this game is how much of Lane Kiffin probably leaving is baked into this number. Matt Corral, it's his, uh, his last season. He's made that announcement. And is he healthy? Um, and, you know, you're going on the road to play Mississippi State. I wonder – the biggest piece of that to me is – is there any impact on it being a short week and it's likely that your head coach is leaving uh, or, or that that's at least being talked about consistently? Uh, and then uh, Lane Kiffin's comment today, I, I don't, I'm not going to get it verbatim, but you know, I don't know why people hate each other for the teams that they root for talking about the egg bowl. It's like, dude, how out of touch with reality are you with this, this place that you coach at You're in the sec West, everybody hates each other. Um, but I think Ole Miss is the better team in this game. I think Ole Miss wins this game. But if they if they come out and look flat, I think a lot of this gets pointed. Or you point back to Kiffin likely leaving, and does is there any sort of hangover as a result of that? Yeah, I I gave that some thought too, and I feel like it, this isn't the game where the kids feel that. Like if that happened, I, I could see them not being motivated in a bowl game because of that. But this is a chance for them. I mean, this is their biggest rival. These are probably kids that they grew up, you know, playing against. This is a like. This is one of those games where you don't worry about where your coach is going to be next year. You're just here. You're playing for your teammates. You're playing against the ki- the kids on the other side. It seems like to me. Um, but I think this is one of the more interesting games of the week. And Mississippi State is really kind of hitting their stride on offense. Where Ole Miss, they they're not you know clicking the way they were early in the season. But Ole Miss has, I think, some real advantages on defense. They've become a quietly strong defensive team. Um, and and really, like other than Alabama, who obviously is, is pretty good, Ole Miss has, has competed really with everybody on that side of the ball. So Mississippi State's win over Auburn a couple weeks ago is still kind of befuddling to me. Like they were getting their ass kicked in that game. It's twenty-eight to three with two minutes left, and Mississippi State scores six straight touchdowns, wins the game. I just can't picture a world where Ole Miss goes six straight possessions and doesn't put a touchdown on the board against Mississippi State. I, I, unless Alabama or Georgia's on the other side, I just don't see that happening. Um, Mississippi State certainly not that. And like I said, a, a win likely gives Ole Miss a spot in a New Year's Six game. This is a big deal to them. Matt Corral looks as healthy as he has in a while. Uh, there was obviously a run, you know, probably about a, a three, four game run where you could tell he just wasn't healthy. He was unwilling to run the football. He he wasn't himself. He looks like himself right now. 
I'm with you. I think Ole Miss is the better team. I, I like Ole Miss getting points here. I like what you said about just as a fan. I think this is maybe the most entertaining game of the whole weekend. And I, you know, I'm glad they're playing it on Thursday, um, on a, obviously a light schedule on Thanksgiving Day. But this game is always entertaining. You've seen, you know, going back to the, uh, <laughs> I forget who it was, the Ole Miss kid scoring the touchdown and lifting yeah. his leg. It, sent everything into a tailspin for the next like 48 hours and everyone got fired all over the country because of it. Well, that's the worst thing you could possibly do, Taylor, as you know. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, that and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire pointing you at people. I mean, you me? What are we doing? Right, you can't have that. Um, but LeBron can – I'm not going to go down that. Anyway. Um, but, no, it, for this game, this is always an entertaining game. I think it will be close. And I trust if there's a side in this game – between all four, you know, offense, defense on both sides, all four units, I trust Ole Miss's offense the most out of anybody, and I think they win this close. All right, let's take a look at another sort of a a game. I, I always think, when I think of this game, I always think, man, Oklahoma State's ruined some things for Oklahoma a few times, but then when you look at the matchup, this is another big brother situation where Oklahoma pretty much dominates this series way more often than than it's competitive. Uh, What do you see here in Bedlam? Yeah, I went back and looked at this because I had the same thought. Like there, you know, you've got a a few matchups that I can think back to where Oklahoma State loses in heartbreaking fashion. And I was like, what is the all time record in this series? And this shocked me. Oklahoma leads over Oklahoma State 90, 18 and (laughs) seven. I, I mean, that's not big brother, little brother. I mean, that's like utter domination. And since 2003, Oklahoma State's just won it twice. So there's a part of me that wants to say, you know, you're getting them in Stillwater. This defensive unit is playing out of their minds. In the last four games, they've only given up 23 points. Now, that was to the likes of Kansas, West Virginia, TCU, and Texas Tech. But, you know, the season high for them that they've given up, you got to go all the way back to – when they're playing, you know, and this is in a loss uh, to Iowa State, but man, really not playing bad for most of this season. It's, I, I think it's the most under talked about and underrated team in college football, even more so than Notre Dame. They've been an afterthought almost all of this year. And I don't think people realize until this last week or so if this Oklahoma State team beats OU, they will likely have to play them again. If they win out, they're going to be in the college football playoff. And we didn't talk about them until week eight or nine. So for all of these reasons, I sort of talked myself into, well, can this Oklahoma State, can this unit do it? Can they get on the right side of it? But, man, I I think history repeats itself in stuff like – in situations like this where teams have a hard time getting on the other side of momentum that has gone against them for over 100 years. Um, If – Oklahoma State does win this game. It will, again, be led by this defense that's one of the top units in the country. Um, it's The struggles for them are on the other side of the ball, on offense. Can they create any sort of magic? They're going to have to do it primarily in the passing game as well. I don't think OU it's, – it's difficult. It, it will be difficult for this Oklahoma State team to run the ball, uh, and I worry about Oklahoma State with Spencer Sanders having to throw the ball. He's still under 2,000 yards passing, and we're going in the last game of the year. This is not a very good – passing unit um but as we've seen with Oklahoma throughout the year I just don't think this team is that good so I don't have a all that to say talking round and round to say I don't have a great feel for this one because 
Oklahoma State's defense is great, but their offense is equally bad. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm not impressed by the offense. You mentioned the 23 points on defense. They have scored 165 points in those four games. You mentioned against lower competition, but that's that's the Big 12. That's what all the Big 12 is right now. Like if you're playing Big 12 games, you're playing against crummy teams. And if you're beating crummy teams, four crummy teams by a combined score of 165 to 23, you're kind of doing your job. Oklahoma should have lost last week. Like they they were not I don't think they were better than Iowa State. And I, I think Iowa State fumbled a couple times and that that gave Oklahoma a game that they probably shouldn't have had. And Caleb Williams, who there was a time on this podcast, we were talking about him being the guy who maybe saves Oklahoma's season. It, it, I think maybe we're starting to see that him coming in the game and putting up a bunch of yards against Texas maybe wasn't as big of a deal as we thought it was. And it turns out, Oklahoma has not played any good defenses. The The two best defenses that they played this season, according to PFF, they've played two two top 50 defenses. One was, uh, was Iowa State, who ranked 36th, who just, like I said, just held Caleb Williams to 88 passing yards in the game. Uh, and then the other one was Baylor, who ranks 50th, who beat them. And here comes Oklahoma State, who grades fourth. This is by far the best defense that they've seen this year. I don't know if Oklahoma's – I don't trust Oklahoma's offense right now. Uh, and I, I'm starting to think that the Caleb Williams stuff was all just kind of a mirage of him beating up on, you know, the Kansases and the the Texases, the teams that – turns out they all stink, They especially defensively. They, they stink. So I, I think the question – is is kind of the same for both teams who have they really played and obviously this is we're going to see one is one is clearly better than the other here I don't want to see this game twice though um, <laughs> I don't think anybody does <laughs> so but uh, I mean it, it, I think Oklahoma State it, if if Oklahoma State wins this game they they would play Baylor and I think Oklahoma State would have a legitimate shot to get in I, I wonder now if Oklahoma if they if they beat the same team twice, if that's going to be enough, uh, especially for a team who, let's face it, has every pretty much every opportunity they've had since the playoff started, they've squandered. So I don't know that the committee is looking to get them in anyway. But for for this game, I, I'm just gonna I, I I just think Oklahoma State's better. So that's that's the way I'm leaning. I I didn't expect this number to come out at four. I, I was kind of thinking it would be you know two and a half or maybe even less than that. Um, so it's probably not a game that I'm looking to get involved in. But if I if I had to pick a side, I'd be on Oklahoma State. Yeah, the only thing that I do like, I think I like the under in this game. I, I do think, too. I think there's a chance that you get, you know, both of these teams it very realistically could be a, a 20 to 13, 20 to 17 type of game. Just going back and looking at what, Oklahoma State has given up throughout the year and then on the flip side what they've scored themselves against decent opponents so if they you know if there was going to be a play for me in this game it would be the under at 50 and a half all right let's get into it let's get into our best bets did you go three and one this week I sure did and I did the legit three and one not like three not and like one, the- but it was actually two and two and I'm getting bootlegged you know called out on Twitter this week although I get called out every it doesn't matter what if I have one loser no matter what, somebody's pissed. Yeah, I uh, I I felt that this weekend um, because I gave out 
I gave out four bets on the national radio show this week. They went three and one, and there was literally no mention of the first three. But that one, I mean, it was the talk of the town. So, and it happened to be my my three star on this podcast as well. So it was just double drama. South Alabama stinking it up. Uh, you know, they go for it, and, and they 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 went for it in Tennessee territory a couple times that they could have taken points. They played like they had a chance to win, which as the game went on, you realize they didn't have a chance to win, so it didn't really matter. Uh, it was just a bad call by me. I, it, they, Tennessee came out more motivated than I thought they were and, and got the job done. Um, and I missed my total. Oh, my God. You, you went, San Diego State allowing <laughs> UNLV to score any points was alarming to me. Uh, but I won my two-star. I won my one-star. So I got three points on the, on the week. You only missed your total. Is that, the, is, is that what happened? No, hit the total. Let me get this in front of me so I don't get yelled at again. Hit the total, the under in UMass Army. My only loss was I was the genius. My one star was uh, Wake plus four and a half at Clemson. And they got, <clears throat> they got thrown around like a rag doll. So that one, that was my only loss. Yeah, Clemson getting healthy. Um, it's it, not a bad team. Like that's they're, the they're not bad. It's a they've got a loss against they've got a loss against a you know, one score game against the, the likely national champion and two conference losses in their what we would obviously consider a down year. But it's still a top twenty team. Yeah, it's just I mean it's so gross to watch, especially compared to what we've been used to with Clemson that it doesn't make any sense. But they're d- d- defensively they're getting healthy. That's an elite unit. Uh, they're they're better than we've talked about them being. They're just not a team that's going to go out and cover a bunch of numbers, and they were certainly not going to cover the numbers that they were getting put on them early in the season because they weren't good enough on offense to do that. So that that's that's part of the the growing pains. Uh, I, I think maybe DJ isn't quite what everyone thought he was, which is fine. It, it, he's not, you know, the, the next Peyton Manning or whatever people like. He's not the the next Andrew Luck. He he may end up being a good college football player. We'll see. Right now, he's got a lot he's got a lot to work on. He's certainly it's funny to think him and Spencer Rattler were like the, those were the two guys coming into this season. Uh Ungalele, Spencer Rattler, these are the 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 two guys that NFL scouts were salivating over and all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, maybe not. Maybe maybe not." Um but I I I do think Clemson is going to be I I think A, they're kind of getting unfairly shit on for a, a down season, which by for most teams would be a great season, but for them it's a down season, and I think they'll be better next year. All right, let's go ahead and get into the best bets. Uh, you, three and one, so you've got the honors, my man. I appreciate that. Um, I am going to – this is one of my favorite weekends in all of sports for a number of reasons, but I love, as a guy who had to play on teams that were fighting and clawing to get to 500 to go to bowl games – I love getting to watch these teams that most people don't care about, figuring out which of these teams that are five and six are going to win to go to a bowl. And one of these teams is hasn't been to a bowl in forever, and the other one is going in the opposite direction, going in a terrible direction. I touched on them earlier. Give me Rutgers at home, the home dog, plus a point and a half, playing Maryland. Maryland's lost four out of their last five. Their only win was by a field goal against Indiana, who is – Equally terrible. They've gotten their doors blown off. Maryland has their last three games now, albeit that was Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan. 
But I think Rutgers is the better team in this game. I think they win to get to six and six and go to a bowl under Greg Schiano. And I just don't, I don't see Maryland beating anybody right now, uh, but especially to get to bowl eligibility on the road, I, I do not trust them. So give me Rutgers plus one and a half. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. They, they were one of several teams I looked at in this, this week where you've got teams who have bowl motivation against teams whose seasons are over. That's or teams who have already locked up bowl, like don't have any. They, they're not playing for a conference title, but they've got their sixth win. Those are the those are the games you're looking for. So a team with five wins going against a team who's locked up bowl eligibility, like a six seven win team, or a team with five wins going up against a team with two wins because that two win team is going absolutely nowhere. Uh, and I've I've got one of those on my card as well. Uh, I, uh, the last one that I left off was Memphis, who's sort of in the same boat against Tulane. Memphis trying to get bowl eligible, so I think it's a it's a good it's a good sp- a strategy to look at those teams because that bowl motivation obviously a big deal at this point in the year. Uh, my three star is going to be our boy Bailey Zappi, and he's he's not let me down. This this Western Kentucky offense has just found a stupid rhythm. I mean, it, and when when they brought all the, Zappy and these these coaches and these wide receivers when they when they went and, you know, basically raided Houston Baptist for their offense, you knew it was going to take some time to adjust to to the speed of, you know, D1 or or excuse me, FBS as we call it now. But now that they've settled in, they've proven there's not a defense in Conference USA that can stop them. I mean, this is – it's ridiculous how easily they move the ball against these Conference USA teams. And kind of under the radar is they're not just winning in shootouts. Like, their defense is pretty solid. No one scored more than 21 points against them in the last six weeks. So uh, Marshall played in a bunch of shootouts early in the season, and they lost them all. And they slowed their offense down, and they've had more overall success. The problem is you can't slow down against this Western Kentucky team because they're going to keep going. They're going to keep scoring. This total sits at 75 points, which screams that these teams are both just going to go up and down the field. I feel a lot better about Western Kentucky's offense. I actually prefer their defense as well in this spot. So I'm going to go Western Kentucky plus one at Marshall for my best bet this week. Yeah, had them earlier this year against Rice, called one of their games. It's a it's a good team. Like obviously it's a great offense, but you touched on the the defensive side as well. It's a well-rounded Conference USA football team. I think they would beat a lot of Power 5 programs. I think the, the lower half of like the Pac-12 and the Big 12, I think Western Kentucky would be really competitive against them. Uh and even some of the lower, you know, Big 10 schools. Um I I like the under in that game. I think you're going to Marshall I could see this being a game that starts slow. Uh, I, I would lean towards the under in that game, but I also I really like Western Kentucky to win that game. And if there's a team that I would trust to go into the Alamo Dome and beat UTSA, it would be Western Kentucky as well. Yeah, and this Western Kentucky, that's what they get. If they win this game, they play for the Conference USA Championship. Yep. That first game against UTSA was a shootout. It was a fun game. I'd love to see a rematch of it because I think Western Kentucky right now is a much better team than they were when they first played them. Um, totally agree. And, and I think this – listen, this Western Kentucky team deserves uh, to – as much as far as they've come since this season started, they deserve to, to go to that conference championship game. I will warn you, please be careful. 
about betting money on Western Kentucky unders. That just seems like something I would never want to do because <laughs> my, my boy – Because it'll end up being 56-55. Oh, my boy Zappy just going wild. So, uh, all right, what's your uh, what's your two-star this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm riding with the Knolls again, and this is a partially a fade uh, Florida. We didn't talk about them earlier. I know we're doing – Less of the macro topics this week, but just a quick on on Mullins out now. That How many team, times have I said they're going to fire Dan Mullen? And, and <laughs> I thought just based on where they were with Trask just a year ago and two years ago especially, thought he had built up enough good credit to get through this year. But, man, to me it felt like it, this is a case study on you cannot be that bad off the field and retain your job. And it was it was so much – his, his press conferences, his quotes, how he handled the season, telling reporters, I know it was out of context, but telling reporters we'll do recruiting in the offseason. You can't say that at Florida. I mean, that, that's like if you say that at Texas, they're going to fire you the next day. So I, it, this to me was less about the on-field results and more about pissing off the fans week in and week out after you had just lost. So I was going to say, I think the on-field results had something to do with it. There's no doubt. But you can get through a bad season like this going back and forth with your quarterbacks. But you, if you get into, when you get into the post-game presser and you're talking about your win over Samford, like nothing's wrong that you just gave up 52 points to a barely 500 FCS team. Those were the things that I think were – at least as alarming, honestly, as you know, losing forty to seventeen at South Carolina. So Mullins is out, um, still banged up, really on both sides for Florida and Florida State. Going back to you know, one of these bowls has to go. One of these teams is going to go to a bowl. They're both five and six. Which of these do you think is more hungry and more likely to come out swinging all game? I'm betting on Florida State. And for that, I'm going to take the Knolls plus two and a half on the road. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you, uh, the, especially getting a plus number. Like I, I imagine betting Florida and giving points right now. I, I just can't, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom doing it. So uh, I think your side is the only side there. Uh, I'm going to go to Maction for my two star play. I'm going to go. <laughs> yes. I'm going to go with Eastern Michigan plus nine, and Central Michigan is. Listen, they are going to have success running the football. They just are. And they have Lou – Mitchell, Lou Nichols is a freak show. If you haven't seen this guy play, Central Michigan's running back, you need to. This guy is the real deal. I think Eastern Michigan's solid enough defensively. He's going to get his, but I think they're solid enough defensively to hang in the game. Uh, obviously, they're going to try to – Central Michigan's going to try to dominate with that run game. Eastern Michigan's a team that has not been blown out in MAC play. They've only lost by double digits once this whole season. That was week two at Wisconsin. And Central Michigan wants to keep their offense balanced, but they're going to have a hard time finding big plays through the air against this Eastern Michigan team that is the they've got the second best pass rush in the MAC behind Buffalo. That Buffalo is really good at pass rush, uh, but the, Eastern Michigan's right there with them. Give me the Eagles to slow down Nichols just enough to keep it to single digits here. Uh, I, I just think it's too many points for a team that's proven they're going to they're gonna hang around in every single game. Eastern Michigan plus nine at Central Michigan. Yeah, seven and four team in the MAC, get, you know, giving them nine points. I, I like them. I watched them last weekend against Western. 
it's it's not a bad team. I do I think they lose. Uh, I do think Central Michigan is the better team, and you're getting them at home. Central is, but I think this is rivalry game. It's it's a good team. I think the, the side where you get nervous for these MAC games is anytime you see it, you know, little, it's a losing team. It's a three or four win team, but this Eastern Michigan team is not. It's going to be difficult for Central to run away from them. I like I like your side in that one as well. This this is the thing about the MAC. There's not really any good teams. The best team by record in the MAC is Northern Illinois. I've watched Northern Illinois Illinois a lot. They're not good. Like all, all no, they're points. They're negative points different differential team. So I I think what you're saying is, and it, correct me if I'm wrong. As long as you're not looking at like Akron or Bowling Green, all these teams you can basically throw into a bag, shake them up, and and they're the same team. Yeah, that's that's exactly right, and that you that's a rule of thumb for me for most of the lower level of FBS. If you're talking about the MAC Conference USA Sun Belt, and you get a, a a double digit or a nine or you know eight or nine point spread, I tend to to like that the underdog in those games, even if they're on the road, because if you're a competent team, those are the ones that will hang around and and really are the sides that you'll see go upset a team and win and win by two scores in these lower levels. I mean, that happens all the time at the Conference USA and the MAC level where when you get into the one, two, three win teams that are that nine, eight point spread, those are the sides that are undisciplined, not very good teams that very easily could be down 30 in the first half. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the like there's some conferences where the rule kind of goes the other way, like in the Mountain West to me, the, the teams at the top are clearly the top, you know, the San Diego State, Fresno State, Boise yeah. group. And if you're if you're not in that top group, you're basically the same. <laughs> so our Rainbow Warriors traveling to UNLV. Yeah, like you could again, you can throw them in a bag, but like it, it really that's what you, you just look at these conferences, there's really almost always a couple of outlier teams and all the other teams, really, there's not a lot separating them. So, and I think in in the Max case, there's Akron and Bowling Green who are just dreadful, and then there's a bunch of teams that are they're fine. None of them are none of them are great. I mean, they're all they're all Mac teams, but none of them are awful, and none of them should be giving up damn near double digit to the other one. So, it just didn't make any sense to me. Uh, what is what is your one star play? Yeah, I'm going to uh, go back to the Army Black Knights. Watched them last week. That I watched that whole game because I gave out the under when they played UMass. UMass – That was scary for Army. Probably. Well, it was there – it was UMass's, I would think, I haven't followed them closely this year, but I, that looked like their, their most spirited effort. Like they were By fighting. far. They were, they were really working hard in that game. And Army looked flat. I mean, Army, this looked like they thought they were going to roll their helmets out and win by 50. And it did the opposite of what I thought. I mean, the, the under still hit, but it was because the game was actually relatively close. The Minutemen got some stops. Uh, I thought Army would win 49 to nothing, right, or, or some version of that. Instead, it was a little bit back and forth. For that, that all that to say, this is, to me, I think this was a, a bit of a look-ahead game for them, playing Liberty – their second to last game of the year. They'll have Army Navy in a couple weeks. But dogs against Liberty. I've watched some of Liberty's tape this year because of games that I've done. It's not a great team. They're, they're kind of okay to me. If they win this game, I think it's somewhere around a field goal, and that half point matters a lot to me. 
Um, so I like Army plus three and a half. I think this game is, for all the reasons that games against Army are always close, going to keep play keep away, try and keep the ball away from Malik Willis and slow the game down, try and keep this you know inside that one-score territory all game. And if Malik Willis has any sort of turnovers, that's where Army gets on the right side, and, and it's tough to come back against them because they'll just play keep away. So I like Army plus three and a half. Yeah, and I've got news. I was talking earlier about uh, DJ and Rattler and being like the, the, the two guys that all the NFL scouts were salivating over. Malik Willis falls in that group. And he hasn't he hasn't fallen as flat as those two guys, but he ain't been great either. And the last couple of weeks, no. specifically when the team on the other side of the ball had a, an actual pulse, old, old, he looked horrible against Ole Miss. He looked horrible against Louisiana last week. So, it, it, I mean, he built up a bunch of numbers against really poor competition, and now he's starting to see some good teams. And it's like, oh. Maybe he's not what everybody thought he was. Yeah, he is a tremendous talent, but I think he puts on the Superman cape way too much for them. Now, he, they, they don't have a great team this year. There's not as many pieces around them around him as there was in years past, even going back to last year. But when he gets in trouble, it's when he puts that Superman cape on and turns the ball over and, put, and gets them, or he'll take horrible sacks and put them behind the sticks. Those are things that will get you know harped out of him as soon as he gets into the NFL. I think he's got NFL starter talent. Now, it, it, does he convert? Who knows? It's a crapshoot like we always talk about. But Is he a guy you'd, you'd feel good taking in the top 10? No, I think he is a, a fringe first rounder, maybe a second rounder. Um, I could also see him being a guy that falls into late second round early. I don't know about the third round. I think he's a first or second round pick. But I could see if that first wave of quarterbacks goes uh, in the in the you know top half of the first round. You're not going to get very many first rounders this year. It's not a very good quarterback class. But I could see a team that sat out and didn't take a quarterback early that maybe you know, either moves up to get in early second round or it falls to him and they're like, look, we'll take a maybe he he sits for a couple years. Uh, could see that. All that to say, talk out of both sides of my mouth real quick. NFL teams, because of the new salary cap, it's much easier for them to go reach for a guy, especially late sure. in the first round, spend the cash, have him for two seasons. I mean, look at Josh Rosen's career, right? If they if it doesn't pan out, it's not that big of a, a – your capital exposure is not that big. And he's a top ten pick. Right. So um, I just gave out scenarios for both sides. So, you know, clearly I <laughs> clearly I don't know. All right. For my one star, I'm going to stay with Maction. And I'm going to go with Ball State, minus six and a half, hosting Buffalo. And this is one of those spots where Ball State sitting at five wins, Buffalo eliminated from postseason consideration. And I've lost plenty of money on Ball State this year. Ball State made me a ton last season when I was convinced they were the best team in the MAC. And the numbers said, no, they're not. No, they're not. And I kept scooping them up all you could eat. And they kept proving me right. And this year, uh, expectations were there and they've not met those expectations. I, I'm going to take one more swing with the Cardinals here. Their offense stunk against Central Michigan. And while Drew Plitt hasn't been bad, like 16 touchdowns, five interceptions, you, you'll take that. He's just not pushing the ball down the field enough, especially given that he's got, for Mac level, he's got three strong wide receivers. And this likely comes down 
to defense for Ball State, and in particular, stopping the run. Buffalo, on their backup quarterback, Kyle Ventries, went down. He's, he didn't play last week. I, I can't imagine they're going to bring him back when there's no bowl game to play for. Like It doesn't wouldn't even make any sense for him to come back. But it, they do not look the same without him out there. Um, you, you hear it a lot that running and stopping the run is about effort. It's about want to and motivation. And Ball is obviously in a situation where they need a win to get bowl eligible. Buffalo already out. So I'll go with the team that I think is more motivated. Uh, I, I think Ball is a better team. And, you know, I, I think that they've got something to play for. Buffalo with a backup quarterback. Give me ball minus six and a half here. I like it going back to what we talked about earlier. First off, Buffalo is not a very good defensive team. They give up over 30 a game, but ball state's got to get one more to get to a bowl. And I'm telling you, some people forget and really gloss over the lower level bowl games. But if you play in the in conference USA or the Mac or the mountain West, man, those bowls are so important to those kids because there's no postseason. There's no playoff. They're not. If you don't go play in the Boca Raton Bowl, well, that, then your year's over. There's no more practicing. There's no more being on campus. You're going home for December. And those kids want to play in those bowl games and get the swag. So when you're at five, you, and all, six, say you also get a bunch of free shit. Right. Yeah. You get a PS4 or whatever. It is. What is it? PS5. I don't even know what what series we're on. You probably know. You've got two. we're PS5 now. Yeah. PS5. Yeah. See, I. <laughs> I'm gonna get roasted for not knowing the right edition of the of the console, but it's all right. It just means you're you're a responsible adult. That's okay. <laughs> Giving out picks on the internet. Um, I think, yeah. To me, that's the side that I like because it's the better team, but also because they're going to be playing with a greater sense of urgency. All right, what are you going for your total this week? Yeah, I, <laughs> I am. Uh, Slumdog Millionaire. You're, you, this is one that I was surprised you didn't take out because it's it may be the grossest game of the whole year, <laughs> honestly. Um, UMass and New Mexico State. Woof. A combined two and twenty. Woof. Uh, I like the under at fifty nine and a half <laughs> because I don't think both of these offenses are competent enough to get to the number. I think one side or the other. We'll screw this up. Who's the home team? Um, I think it's <laughs> New Mexico State. I'm just imagining. I'm, I'm imagining UMass like, like all their players piling into like a shitty school bus and driving across the country, and it takes like five days. I, I know that's not how it really works, but that's just how I imagine. Or being like planes, trains, and automobiles with the like, roof down in the snow. Like remember uh, on Major League how the Cleveland Indians they didn't they they had like a their plane was like held together with duct tape. It, I, I imagine their the UMass team plane looking something like that. So I yeah I I can't imagine these kids want to show up there and play a good football game e- either team. Uh, the the late November trip to Las Cruces from Massachusetts. <laughs> it's almost like a bowl game. Not so. <laughs> The major league version of without of the, the free game. shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, again, I think I watched UMass last week. I, I felt like maybe that was their last hurrah, so to speak. What sort of effort did they come out with this week against a one in ten team? The the flip side, the scary part is that you've got two teams that this is their best chance at getting to that, uh, getting another win, right? I mean, it's their last chance, it's the last game of the year, but uh, this is a you know, you're going up against both of these teams are looking at the other side saying, 
you're like us, right? You stink too. We can beat this team. Um, but I don't trust 60. It's 59 and a half. I mean, are, are we going to get enough competent offensive play to get there? I, I'm saying no. So give me the under 59 and a half UMass at New Mexico State. Someone's one will be done. That's right. Since they both have one win, <laughs> somebody's going to have two. That's a bad joke. All right. I'm going to go with a game that is probably ugly in another way. Miami of Ohio and Kent State over 65. Three Mac plays for me. Look at me this yeah, week. Uh, Kent State has the worst pass defense in the Mac, and their run defense isn't particularly great either. They just score a shitload of points. And uh, Brett Gabbert's been, he's gotten better as the season's gone on. He, he should have some success against his defense. Both these teams played low total games last week, but they both played against Bowling Green and Akron, the two teams in the MAC who are bottom feeding. Could and those teams didn't put up any points for them. Here's the deal with Kent: when they play against a an even decent offense, they roll over and give it up. And all you got to do is is be average. Kent State this year has two games where the total hit the 80s, two more where their totals hit the 90s. So if you are competent, you are going to score at will against Kent State. Miami falls into that competent category, but they're also not good enough to stop Kent State from scoring. So this should just – I think this game is well into the 70s. I think 65 is almost a mistake number because we saw both these teams play under games last week against – you know, bad competition, but this game should should just be a shootout as as far as I can tell. Miami, Ohio, Kent State over sixty five points. Going heavy on the action for the last game of the year. I love it. I'm sure that won't bite me in the ass. Yeah, what could possibly yeah. go wrong? The action all what? the action always plays out as it should. It's always it's so predictable. The Mac every time. Um, yeah, I got nothing. Uh, another good card for both of us. Hopefully, we'll see what it looks like on the other side. All right. Well, hey, it's been a pleasure, Taylor. Uh, looking forward to doing the postseason stuff with you. I know you've got to get back to your pro wrestling training right now, so uh, right. I, I won't take up any more of your time, but I appreciate it. Uh, thanks to all the listeners out there. And like I said, we'll we'll uh, we'll keep grinding through uh, conference championship season, through bowl season, and uh, and through the playoffs. And we will talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.